Hi, and welcome to First Bite, a nation's restaurant news podcast. I'm your host, Holly Petrie. Today is Monday, January 29th, and here are your top stories. First, menu tracker. New items from Wendy's, Subway, Papa John's, and Pizza Hut. See what chains added to menus this week. Second, America's 10 favorite restaurant chains. It's no secret that Americans love to eat out, but which restaurant chains are their favorites? Third, Pennsylvania Wendy's franchisee is fined for child labor violations. GC Wen Management, the operator of 21 restaurants, was fined $300,000 for 766 state violations. Fourth, how Walk-On's new CEO is building a leadership team to scale the sports bar franchise. Chris Dawson has been on the job for only seven months, but has been busy rounding out his C-suite with growth-minded leaders. And finally, Chicken Salad Chick is ready to spread its wings. Chicken Salad Chick expects to open about 40 new restaurants this year, with an eventual goal of reaching 2,000 units. Now let's dive deeper into one of these stories. What makes people really love a restaurant brand? Not just what brand they most frequent, because inevitably the McDonald's and Starbucks of the world will be at the top of the list purely as the winners of a numbers game. Rather, what makes people put that restaurant at the top of their mental list of favorite places to eat? Technomics 2023 data for America's favorite chains offers a detailed and sometimes surprising glimpse into the psyche and stomachs of the American consumer. Both high and low price points dominated the list, brands that reflect budget-conscious consumption trends, as well as chains that offer pricier in-person experiences that consumers could not easily get anywhere else. In fact, America's top 10 favorite chains list is dominated by smoothies, including Tropical Smoothie Cafe and Smoothie King, and steak, including Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, Longhorn Steakhouse, Fleming's Prime Steakhouse and Wine Bar, and the Capitol Grill. For more on this story, let's turn to Joanna Fantosi. So Joanna, this week we released America's Favorite Chains, um, and you wrote a really great feature diving into the data, which to some may be a bit surprising or confusing. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what you got from the data and sort of what you're able to pull out? Absolutely. I was pretty surprised from this data. Um, I will say that when I talked to Technomic, they did say that um, the data is kind, doesn't change that too drastically from year to year. So, um, so this means that a lot of this, a lot of this data and a lot of the findings may have been in previous years as well. Um, something that I was kind of surprised at, it seemed like it was a look into the psyche of Americans. Because remember, it's not necessarily what people are actually spending money on, but what they say either to the public in this survey that is their most beloved brand. So that might not necessarily match up with uh, what their spending habits are. So if I had to guess what their spending habits are, are probably more closely aligned with brands like Starbucks, maybe McDonald's, um, some of the larger, more ubiquitous brands. Um, but that, does, that doesn't line up at all with their favorite brands. And set in, in fact, Starbucks and McDonald's were not mentioned at all. A lot of what I spoke about is how uh, the three S's were so incredibly popular, steakhouses, smoothies, and sandwiches, um, especially steakhouses and smoothies. Um, and those are very different, obviously very different uh, types of uh, types of operations. And they kind of fall on the opposite ends of the spectrum of types of food service. But um, so steakhouses really, um, I understand why that might have popped up. Steakhouses, particularly Roots Chris, um, 
Longhorn, Fleming's, um, Capitol Grill, they all popped up quite a bit. And I think it's because when people think of their favorite restaurant, you might think of an occasion restaurant uh, rather than something that you go to every day because that something you go to every day for your morning coffee or your morning breakfast at the drive-thru, that might be more practical, but it's not necessarily something that you hold near and dear to your heart. And so you might not be spending as much money at Ruth's Chris, but you might remember more of the uh, special occasions, birthdays or anniversary celebrations that you spent there. On the other end of things, we have smoothies and Tropical Smoothie Cafe, Smoothie King, um, others popped up a bit. Um, and I think that that kind of more has to do with a couple of things. One is the perception of health, which, which is a trend that I spoke about with Technomic quite a bit. Uh, the perception of health, which also trickles down a bit to sandwiches, is that, you know, smoothies are obviously made with fruit and kind of whole wholesome ingredients. And so they're better for you. Uh, they might not necessarily be because they could have a lot of sugar in them, but it's that perception, the health perception. Um, and they were especially popular with younger generations. I also think, and this is my own spin on it, is that smoothies are much easier to prepare. Um, and so they're harder to mess up and um, and they're more on the go. And so younger, on more on the go generation might prefer that. Uh, also smoothies, this is actually, this is brand new information. This is something I just thought of right now. It wasn't in my story. Uh, but smoothies are, uh, are colder drinks, obviously. Um, and so many, uh, so many brands have talked about when it comes to beverages that cold drinks are come out on top, especially Starbucks and Dunkin' always talk about how their iced and blended drinks um, come out on top and are like the majority of their sales. Um, and so I just thought that this was uh, th this was really interesting. Besides besides steaks and smoothies, the other the other categories that we saw really represented in this survey um, were uh, kind of dessert and snack brands, um, and and dessert snack brands and beverages. So interestingly enough, you didn't see too much of in the way of burgers, chicken, pizza, and tacos. Really not in the way. Uh, not much in the way of those at all. Uh, the only one I could really think of is Chick-fil-A, uh, which was on the, which was definitely made that list. And we'll talk about that in a bit, but, um, but we saw brands like Dutch Bros, Cold Stone Creamery. Um, and so brands that ne you don't necessarily go to for meals, but a pick me up and a fun treat, um, and I think that, the, again, that kind of goes back to the psyche of of customers. Um, it's less of a practical meal and more of just a fun meal. And so you associate maybe uh, like fun times or treating yourself with that brand. Um, speaking of Dutch Bros, they also made the list, whereas Starbucks didn't. And my theory with that is that Dutch Bros is becoming more trendy and cooler to say that cool factor definitely was present on this list. Um, so smaller, more emerging brands, uh, you, we saw them a lot more, not just Dutch Bros, but also brands like First Watch, um, brands that not everybody has heard of quite yet, but are still growing quite a bit um, and are becoming more ubiquitous, but are not quite as all over the place as McDonald's and Starbucks are. When I was talking to Technomic about this, they were kind of saying, what would you feel better saying, that you love Dutch Bros or that you love Starbucks? Because maybe, again, psychologically, you might think saying Starbucks is your favorite. Um, it might be a little bit basic and um, not as interesting as saying uh, saying something like Dutch Bros, which maybe not everybody has heard of. Um, and then I guess finally, the the more interest, another interesting takeaway 
is the number of brands on this list that are smaller and more emerging. Uh, where While really small brands, not too many of those were on the list. The I would say that the smaller to mid-sized brand uh, took up the majority of spots on this list of America's favorite chains. So somewhere between 200 to 400 stores seemed to be that sweet spot. Um, in fact, the top 25 restaurants didn't really have much of a presence on this list at all. The biggest chain on this list being Chick-fil-A. And Chick-fil-A both has, I, I feel like, become, I don't want to say a cult classic, a cult favorite, because they are too big to be really a cult favorite. But I think that they have a really big following. Um, people are obsessed with not only their food, but their sauces. They are really well known for uh, having really good times in the drive through lane as compared to maybe some of their uh, quick service colleagues. So that's a lot of information right there. Do you think that this list really shows the breadth of the American consumer? Because it takes, you were talking about these brands being a lot of regional chains. I mean, do you think that this shows that Americans aren't as into those big chains, that they like the more smaller brands that feel more hyper-focused on them as opposed to a big brand that's targeting everyone at once? I, again, if, if you're a restaurant operator listening or watching this, um, I would say take this information with a grain of salt. Although it is very, very useful to know what America's favorite chains are, it's not the whole story. Because like I said, it doesn't show what they're uh, what they're actually spending money on. People speak with their wallets more so than, you know, in, in surveys. And um, so I do think that this what this really does say about the American consumer is that they are really interested in these kind of smaller, more regional, mid-sized chains and that they feel more loyalty to these. They might feel more loyalty to these, at least psychologically, but maybe in the day-to-day, -day, um, they might not necessarily be going to these places every day, especially something like steakhouses. Why do you think steakhouses played such a big role in this data? Because if you look at the data, there's an astounding number of steakhouses in the full-service arena with the addition of First Watch, which is an outlier, but we could talk about that as well. Um, why do you think steakhouses hold such an important place in the consumer's hearts? I'm not sure why steak specifically, but when it comes to fine dining, I think that people, again, psychologically, they go there for a birthday, an anniversary, and um, they have a good time celebrating with people. And so they kind of associate that experience, uh, so they, they, they associate with that steakhouse, be it Fleming's, Ruth Chris, or whatever, with that experience of having fun with their family and friends, uh, as opposed to sitting in a half hour line at the drive through lane, <laughs> which is, uh, I'd, I'd rather be at the steakhouse, wouldn't you? Um, so not 100% sure on why steak specifically, but I do think that fine dining um, definitely has a strong place in people's hearts. Well, and this data seems to also show us that what we've been saying for a long time is that not only have day parts become almost non-existent, but that we're seeing this rise in the snack sweet treat category, like Tropical Smoothie, like Dutch Bros, like all these places that are attacking that theoretical day afternoon part. Um, so it's kind of proving what, what we've been saying. So. How do you think that this list is a way for chains that are maybe coming up in the sweet treat arena to move forward? Yeah, I think that uh, what we've known about Gen Z and younger for a while is that they don't necessarily stick to three square meals a day. Uh, in fact, it's like a, a lot of these um, 
the sweet treat and snack kind of thing. I mean, they might go to like, oh, I don't feel like having breakfast today. I'm just going to go to Tropical Smoothie Cafe and get a smoothie. Um, and so, or they already have breakfast, but they're kind of hungry between breakfast and lunch. And so I kind of feel like these three square meals a day of yesteryear doesn't necessarily apply to Gen Z and younger. Um, and I do think that these... Um, I do think that Gen Z is is kind of playing a large role in this. Even brands, I mean, not that they were on this list, but for example, Taco Bell, um, again, not that they're on this list, but uh, but Taco Bell has kind of been leaning into that snack category with the, their more late night stuff. And a lot of brands are kind of leaning into late night um, and trying to attack that, uh, that or go after that Gen Z demographic and even Gen Alpha as they become older and have uh, more of their own money. Um, and they are really looking into kind of more of that snack category. And so I do think that um, I, I do think that a good quality snack is uh, or beverage or, or what have you is, uh, is is a great way to go for up and coming brands. Um, but I guess you just have to be careful of a couple of pitfalls that might happen. Um, for example, um, brands that might go viral or do really, really well for a year and grow too quickly, they might uh, they might necessarily be around in the long term. They might not necessarily have the uh, the strength and the fortitude to kind of move to exist in like five, 10 years after they have their moment. Um, and so I think that's the challenge with the beverage and snack category is creating something that's long lasting and isn't just going after a specific uh, trend. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of First Bite. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new one. Until then, stay up to date with all your news on NRN.com.